In this week's episode of Startups for the Rest of Us, I catch up with Mike Tabor and get an update on his progress with Blue Tick. This is Startups for the Rest of Us, episode 470. Welcome to Startups for the Rest of Us. It's the podcast that helps developers, designers, and entrepreneurs be awesome at building, launching, and growing startups. Whether you built your fifth startup or you're thinking about your first. I'm Rob, and today with Mike Tabor, we're going to share our experiences to help you avoid the mistakes we've made. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob Walling. Each week on the show, I cover topics related to building, growing startups in order to build yourself a better life and improve the world in some small way. We strive to be ambitious, but we're not willing to sacrifice our life or our health to grow our companies. And we have many different show formats. We have some tactics and teaching. We have interviews, listener questions. Sometimes we do founder hot seats and breaking news episodes, all kinds of things that that just mix it up. And, and the feedback I've gotten since the mix up 20, 25 episodes ago is that that people really like that. And they almost like the unpredictability of it. And uh, I've been you know, overwhelmingly told to, to keep going and keep doing what we're doing. So each month or so, about every four to six weeks, I catch up with Mike Tabor. And he's still a regular guest on the show, but he only comes on every month or two to kind of update us on what he's been doing with his product, Blue Tick, that he's been struggling to get to the point of supporting him full time. If you haven't already heard episodes 448 and 458, I'd encourage you to go listen to those episodes because they do give you background on really what we're talking about and how I'm trying to help push Mike forward and you know challenge some of his assumptions. Also to get updates just to hear what's going on because I like I like to know what's up with Mike and I, I've heard overwhelmingly that people want to as well. They want to know what's going on with him. So today's episode is a fun one. I do push back on on a few things, you know, that Mike has said and kind of call him on, you know, why he hasn't made more progress. Um, but overall, it's a positive episode and it's fun to hear Mike rant about the Google audit. And I think our editor even has to bleep him once or twice, which which is unusual for Mike. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that Tiny Seed applications for Batch 2 are now open. You can go to tinyseed.com, click the Apply button. If you're a Bootstrap SaaS app or subscription software and you're looking for mentorship and a, you know, community in a small batch of motivated founders as well as, as you know, $120,000 investment or more, frankly, if you have a couple founders, you should head over to Tiny Seed and, and see what we're up to. We're super bootstrapper friendly. And the idea is to raise the tide and to raise all the boats, you know, in this segment that is really an underserved group because, you know, the venture capitalists have an agenda and it's to go big or go home and it's to be a unicorn or bust. And that's that's not what we're doing. And so our thesis is that we can get a lot of folks who are wanting to build these one to 20 million ARR, these life changing SaaS apps, you know, ambitious, but not 90 hour weeks. And, you know, we're about halfway through our first batch of 10 and this application process runs for the next couple weeks and we'll be doing another batch early next year and, you know, getting that together. So good things have been happening there, tinyseed.com if you're interested. And with that, let's talk to Mike. Mike, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, how's it going? That's pretty good, man. It's been, uh, I was just counting the days. I think it's been about five weeks, about right around 34, 35 days since we last spoke. So... I know during that time you were, you know, out of town for five days with MicroConf Europe, but I've been getting feedback both at MicroConf Europe and then at a little founder retreat I went to earlier this week that folks do like following the story, what you've been up to. So I'm curious, you know, have, as, as usual, I have my list of stuff kind of from, from last time that, you know, some stuff was up in the air and some stuff is just the, the threads that we're following. So 
I uh, look forward to hearing about it. I think that the thread of the hour and the one that, that, you know, you were basically spending 15 hours a week last time we spoke is this Google audit and you were a month into it and you thought it would be six more weeks worth of, of stuff. And so we're five, we're essentially five weeks into that period. So I'm fascinated to hear what that's looked like over the past five weeks, where it's at, are you wrapping up that kind of stuff? Yeah. So I guess for context of, of dates and timeline here, three weeks ago was microconf Europe. So there was like a Wednesday to Wednesday that I was basically either on a plane or over in Dubrovnik for microconf Europe. And so that kind of spans a couple of weeks where I don't know about you, but a day or two before you travel, you really don't get a whole lot done. And then the day or two after is kind of the same thing. So that basically makes it almost two full weeks right there. And then my audit started last Monday and it was supposed to go from Monday to Monday, I believe. So that's that process is finished. They went through. I've got a draft of the report, and I'm going to go over it with them next week. And I've got the letter of attestation or whatever it is, or letter of assessment, and that's already in my hands, and I've sent that off to Google. So now it's a waiting game to see if Google just says, looks at it and says, yep, this is good, and you're all set for the next 12 months. So that's the good news. The bad news is I'm super pissed about the whole thing. <laughs> Well, you have been the whole time. Are you more pissed now than you were the last two episodes? Has, has something more happened? I'm I'm way more pissed about it because basically they came back and said, yeah, everything looks fine is pretty much it. Like there were, there was one thing where they complained about, they're like, yeah, your cryptography keys, like the keys that you're using to encrypt information shouldn't be on the same machine that it's that the all the source code or not even the source code but like the actual application because before i was just i was compiling it directly into the application knowing that nobody else has access to that machine you can't get to it like unless you break the machine open and hack into it and then you've got access to the you know source code and everything else it's like well at that point encrypting things really doesn't do a whole heck of a lot and yeah the data is on a different machine but like i'm well aware of all the security implications there but like in the grand scheme of things that's a very very small thing they're like yeah that's an absolute no no you can't do that i was like all right fine so i spent a couple of days like using azure's i think key vault i think it's called and so basically now i'm storing the the keys someplace cells but like the client secrets and stuff are still on that machine so it's like okay now i have to go to this other machine pull back that information and then encrypt it and i have to do that every single time that i have to encrypt or decrypt information i'm like this is just kind of stupid and it's just like all right you know whatever i'll do it because i have to I, I have no other choice yeah that's the thing right you can get hung up on it and be pissed about it but then you gotta you gotta move past it especially if google approves this certificate of attestation, I think is what you said. Um, I mean, assuming that that goes through, like you have 12 months and and it's, it's time to get on your horse, you know, and get, th- get things moving. So I'm curious over the past five weeks, like how much of your time was that? Was it, because you expected it to maybe ramp up to like 20 hours a week, like half your time. And I'm curious if that, that amounted to that or, or what it looked like. It wasn't that much. I mean, I had to, I had to give them a, a whole ton of documentation. I mean, there were probably... It wasn't quite a dozen different documents of, of policies and procedures and stuff like that. But some of it was just, I'll say, personally frustrating because they're like, you know, document what your secure coding procedures look like and how you educate other people who come on board. I'm like, well, there really isn't anybody else that I have to educate about it because it's just me. And I've, I distinctly remember looking at one of the questions and it was something along the lines of, you know, please describe how you do pair programming for for code reviews. And I'm just like... 
I, and I, I wanted to laugh at it and I had to hold myself back from saying, I wait 12 hours, sober up and then look at the code sober to figure out what I was that I was doing. But it's just like, it's just so frustrating to have to go through that stuff and answer like completely stupid questions and provide documentation for things that like, I'm not going to look at and nobody else is. I wish you would have put that drunk answer on there and just to see what they said. <laughs> well, it ended up in the report too. So, or like some of the things that I had, not that, but the, the, some of the other things that I wrote, they would ask me a couple of clarifying questions and literally word for word, the stuff that I put in there, it was like word for word, what I said was in the executive report. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, this, I was joking, by the way, about the drunk comment. I'm glad you didn't do that because that wouldn't have gone well. <laughs> this is, see, so this feels like a win to me. And and I'm going to, I'm going to flip it on its head because you're, I can tell you're pissed and you have been for like three months about this or more. And cause it threatened the whole thing, threatened your business itself. And then when you got initial quotes or estimates, they were really high. And then you got lower quotes and then you negotiated and you got something that was reasonable enough for you to pay. And now you're, it sounds like you're done. And while it has killed some time, it didn't kill as much time as you were projecting over the next six weeks. And right now, are you done? Do you have to make any more code changes to, to you know, satisfy their recommendations? As far as I know, no. Like I have the letter, I have to hand it off to Google. And I believe at that point, Google just takes it and says, okay, yes, you're approved. And they toggle some switches on their side and they stop bugging me about all this stuff. So my belief is that I'm done. But what pisses me off is how little they found and how big a deal Google made it out to be. Like, oh, your business is, we're going to kill your business if you don't do these things, or you don't go through this process and pay this large sum of money to this third party company to do a security audit. I'm like, but I'm like, like, there's no, there's no recourse there whatsoever. So I go through the process. And then when I get through it, I come, I come back and I look at the kind of end result of it. And they're like, oh yeah, you have to change this one minor thing here. That'll take you like a day or two. And then all the other documentation that I put together, which it was a total waste of time because nobody else, else is ever going to look at any of it. Like it, it's total useless. It was just like a huge time sink for absolutely nothing. It didn't benefit my customers. doesn't make the product any better. doesn't get more people using it. Like it literally does nothing other than allow me to stay in business. And it's just, that's the piece that's so frustrating. It's like, that's the part that really pisses me off and makes me angry at Google for this, for putting me through this. When at the end of the day, you look at the report and they're like, oh yeah, these one or two things. And like, it was almost completely unnecessary. And if you're at home playing the startups with the rest of us drinking game, you can now take your shot for Mike saying it was <laughs> unnecessary and he's angry at Google. Mike, I know, I totally get it. And I think I want to say it again, like I consider this a win because you're past this. And like six months ago, maybe more, you started talking about this and it was a big, big deal and you're, you're done and you made it through and it didn't wreck the business. And to me, it's like the Bill Walsh quote, control what you can control and let the score take care of itself. And that's where you are. Like, you can be pissed. I get pissed all the time <laughs> at stuff. You know, you know me pretty well. I get, I get mad pretty easily. But I, tr I try to let stuff go quickly and move on. You know what I mean? I mean, this could have been a complete and utter roadblock that decimated your business, whether because you failed the, th the audit, whether it was because you couldn't afford the audit, whether it was because you refused to do the audit on principle, any one of those would have wrecked the business. And you turned it into a speed bump. You said, what are my options here? You know, I can pay for this thing. I can negotiate this thing. I can, you know, with, with my teeth clenched, I can just brute force my way through. And that's what you did. And to me, this is, 
I, I think I know it was a pain in the ass. I totally get it. And I'm really surprised that we have not had to use the beep noise over any of your words so far this episode. But I mean, cheers to you, man. You know, like I, I am happy. I look ahead at, at Blue Tick and now it's all about execution, right? It's differentiation. It's writing some code. It's marketing. It's getting more people in. That's how I feel about it. I'm, I'm, I have the outside perspective. You know, you've been mired in this for months. Does that resonate with you? Do you, do you feel that way? Or do you feel like I'm being too optimistic, silver lining? No, I, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Like everything that you just said is 100% correct, but it's still, Google still pisses me off right now. Like you've, uh, I'm not the type of person who gets upset easily. I'm not the person who you can just kind of like poke at with a stick and like suddenly I just rear my claws and just go after you. Cause like, I just, I just don't do that. But this has been dragging on for so long and I really feel like I've been put through the ringer for this for no good reason. I, I just can't point to anything justifiable. And the problem is I know I have to go through it again next year. And next year it'll be better because I've got all the documentation in place. And yeah, like the product will change. Certain things are going to have to be updated here and there. And that's fine. But the fact that they went through this whole thing and they made it such a big deal and I get to the end of it and there's this report that shows, oh, we found three things, one of which is not even on my servers. I'm like, okay, this is total bullshit. Like complete and utter bullshit. Like you're complaining about an SSL certificate that I should put on the server that's not even my server. Like, come on, that's ridiculous. And I even told them that. I'm like, I have no control over this. So yeah, I hear you about having to do it again in 12 months. My hope is that the fact that you already have an existing relationship with an auditor and that you have the same docs or, you know, depending on where you are in 12 months, maybe you'll have hired a developer, uh, you know, or a senior developer that could could do parts of this for you so you don't have to mire through it. I realize that's a tall order. I mean, you know, you would, you'd have to make a lot of progress between now and then. But I think in the back of my mind, in your shoes, I would be trying, you, you've seen how frustrating this is and how, how much it kind of emotionally derails you. And with me, with Drip, it was blacklists. It was... I don't know, there were support requests, it was queues being slow. There were, there were these things that I had to find people to do because they slowly tore away at me and they made me hate my job. And as entrepreneurs, we can't hate our job because we control them. Like if we're not enjoying it, it's to a certain extent our fault. Now in this case, it's not, right? It's not your fault that, that Google you know, made you do that, but you did then have the, the chance to say, well, I'm just going to shut the business down or I'm going to pivot away from Google or, or whatever. But you, you gritted it and made it through, which is, in my opinion, what you should have done. But looking ahead 12 months, I'd be thinking, how, I, how can I not let this be six weeks, eight weeks of me being mad next time? You know, what, what types of things can I put in place to help with that? Yeah. I'm, I mean, the fact of the matter is I, I think that in a year when this comes up again, it will be a lot less stressful because I will have had full visibility of all the things that are going on and all the things that they're looking at. And I will have already had one report to look at that says, you know, these are all the things that we looked at and be able to at least keep them in mind moving forward. But up, up until like I got a final report, I mean, even during the week of the audit, it was just super stressful because I wasn't getting anything back from them. And I was expecting like a daily report or something along those lines that says, Hey, we looked at this and this is a problem and you need to fix 
Sid, here's a high priority. Here's a critical thing that you have to do because I knew that all those critical and high items had to be taken care of before they could issue this letter of assessment. And I was getting nothing. And, um, you know, I asked them, I was like, you know, what's, what's going on here? I'm expecting something here and I haven't heard anything. And they're like, oh, we haven't found anything so far. But of course, like there's a lag time between the time that I send them an email and then they get back to me. And like some of their, I think some of their penetration testing staff are, you know, in completely different time zones, like halfway around the world. So it just makes that back and forth a lot harder to do because one, I, you know, they don't report directly to me and two, they're in a completely different time zone. So it, it just makes it a lot harder and a lot more stressful, but I don't think that it'll be nearly as bad next time. Yeah, I would agree. So looking ahead, let's talk about some other things that you had in the works, some of which were on hold, or I think one of which was on hold due to code, kind of a code freeze you wanted. And then there was some other stuff that, that we'll step through just to kind of keep, keep going on the thread. So you have an untestable sealed.net component. And I, I almost, I mean, the startups for the rest of us drinking game just gets, it just gets so good when we cover this topic again. I want to go back and I think it, it had to have been six or eight months ago with your first mention of this thing. So you said, I'm going to replace this thing. And you put it on hold due to the Google audit. Have you replaced it yet? Is this top priority? Where, where do we stand with this? So I just got the letter of assessment this morning. So I was expecting it on Monday because they said that they were working on it. And then Tuesday came and nothing. And then Wednesday came and still nothing. And then finally I got it this morning. It was like one o'clock in the morning. So until then, it's basically been a code freeze. So no, I haven't touched that yet. Is it on deck? Yes, at some point. When exactly? I don't really know. I mean, it's I have to go through and look at kind of where that really falls in the priority list because I feel like it's it's a lower priority than a lot of the sales and marketing stuff that I have to do. And I hate to say that this is, or it isn't holding me back. Cause I, I'm not really sure. I want to get it out of there. I just, I don't know how hard it is going to be to pull it out because it is pretty integrated into the core of my code and I'm going to have to change the storage mechanism. So it's, I, I think I'm just gonna have to make a judgment call at some point about like, do I just suck it up and leave it there? Even though that I know that it's the wrong decision, but like there's certain parts of, I think everybody's application where it's got warts on it and you're like, this really needs to be rewritten or re needs to be refactored. And you don't do it because you know that you're just kicking a hornet's nest and it's going to be terrible. So how long do you think it's going to take you? to get the new component in? Well, it's not just about... I know you have to redo data and you have to remap stuff and namespaces. I get it. How long though? That's that's the thing. Uh, just for me to migrate the data would probably take a week. And that's just the computers like churning. Yeah. So it's a sizable, it's a sizable thing. But you have decided that this is the right choice, right? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, assuming nothing goes wrong, it would take like a week. <laughs> sure. All right. So it happened this morning and you're not done with it yet, Mike? What have you been doing? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Well, I mean, let's follow up. Like I, uh, do you plan to start that? Th like it's, uh, what is it? Thursday today. So do you plan to start that tomorrow or Monday? Is, is that the next priority? Or are you just saying, ah, I'm going to do this in a few months? It, it's tough. This one's not so clear cut to me. To me, in my head, it's a bite the bullet type thing where it's overhead and I know it creates legacy or cruft, you know, just, just hard code to work around. To me, I would bite the bullet and I would, I, would, I would carve out two weeks and I would hammer this through. But I could also see an argument on the other side of this provides no value to your customers. And so the, on the flip side, it's like I should be marketing and selling and getting more people in before that. So I could see an argument either way. Again, I would probably make the product such that I felt more comfortable marketing and selling it because I hate having, having crappy code. So what, what's your plan there? 
I mean, the, the best thing that I can come up with is to plan to do it in about a month because that would put it in mid to late December, which I know is there's not going to be many people using Blue Tick at the time. And I'm probably not going to be fielding very many support requests. And I'm probably not going to be launching very many new marketing or sales campaigns at the time. So it's kind of like a slow time where it would be good time to sit down and bite the bullet and do that, as opposed to now where people are still kind of ramping up for the holiday season and doing email follow-ups and trying to get deals and stuff in by the end of the year. And it seems like my time is probably better spent doing that now and then plan for that slow period of biting the bullet. Cool. That sounds good. We will um, connect with you again on that uh, next time you come back. So for our next topic, let's talk about marketing. You you obviously had the majority of your work weeks to be doing other things, right? You didn't want to write code and the Google audit was taking some time, but we had talked about a marketing hire you were making. It was a contractor to do podcast tour research. And we had talked that through a little bit last time. Where does that stand? Yeah, so most of that stuff is already done and been sorted, prioritized, and you know I've got the information I need for all of those things. So basically waiting until the end of this audit to kind of start queuing those up. So between today and tomorrow, the plan is to start queuing those up and start sending those emails out and see if I can get onto a handful of other podcasts. I've already done one podcast interview. I actually did that last week. And then I've got another one that I was told by the podcast host that like she'd love to have me on. So it's just a matter of reaching out to them and getting that set up as well. So there's no more roadblocks in, in the way of doing that. So that's a like get started ASAP at the moment. So it's been five weeks. How, why did it take that long? Like how, why hasn't that started two weeks ago? Because, well, two weeks ago I was in Europe. That's why. <laughs> okay. So like of the, of the last five weeks, I mean, probably a week and a half, a good solid week and a half to two weeks was spent like in the middle of the audit. And then there was another solid week or two that was basically over in Europe. So it's just, you know, I basically had like the week and a half, maybe two weeks or so before MicroConf Europe to kind of get started on that. And that was mostly like the data aggregation and the actual work that was done behind the scenes. Got it. And are you sending those emails through um, Bluetick? Yes. That's cool. Well, that's the plan. I I haven't actually sent them out yet. (laughs) How'd you get on the, the podcasts then? Oh, that was a personal invitation. Ah, got Somebody it. reached out to me. Cool. So that would be a ASAP thing then. I mean, you could get that going tomorrow, literally, or Monday. You just got to write some copy and get her in. Yep. Cool. So that, that's the plan for that. Good. Looking forward to that. And we already talked about it. I won't go into it again about it, it, it drives a little bit of traffic. It's more of a slow burn. It's a one-time thing type thing. But I, I think that it's easy enough to do as long as it doesn't take a bunch of time, right? I would probably be doing the same thing right now. The other thing you were looking at was cold emailing or it was really warm emailing. You said you had 900 email addresses from your LinkedIn connections. You had prior blue tick cancellation sales leads that never converted that were in pipe drive, other stuff. And you were going to bucket them and start kind of warm emailing and cold batches in the next week or two. Last time we talked, what talk to me, you know, status on that. So I've got those all bucketed out and that's another situation where like I was holding off on actually doing it and pulling the trigger until after this audit was done. That again is something else that is kind of got the green light at this point that I can start, you know, today or tomorrow. That's interesting. Why were you holding off on that? Because you knew you were going to pass the audit. 
right? That wasn't a big question. I mean, I thought I knew you were, I guess. that <laughs> It was never a question of whether I would pass it or not. It was a question of timing. Like, cause so there's, there's two pieces of the audit itself. There was the technical piece where they ha- say, Hey, we're going to beat on your servers for like six days. And then aside from that, there's all this like policy documentation that I had to create and anything that they saw that raised a red flag, I had to either change the policy itself it's not just text that I have to change, but it's also I have to change how I do things. So, for example, one of the things that they said was, oh, you have to enable multi-factor authentication on everything, including source control. So I have to basically generate SSH keys and lock down all of my source control, which means that I also have to generate API keys and then go into my build environment and I have to change all that stuff too. So it's it's not just a simple thing of like changing some text on a piece of paper that I hand to them. It's like I actually have to go do those things as well. So all that stuff needed to be changed. Like there, were, there was a bunch of other things that came up during the policy side of things where they said, hey, you need to change how you're going about these things just in order to comply with the requirements. Between that and like the, and I knew that I only had like a week or two before I had to leave for Europe. And then immediately after that, I had to dive right into the technical side of the policy stuff. What I didn't want to do was start going out and starting trying to schedule meetings and calls and stuff with people that were not going to be for like a month or month and a half because I didn't necessarily know that on, you know, earlier this week, things were going to be done. For all I knew, they could come back and say, well, you've got these 25 vulnerabilities and 17 of them are high and or critical and you need to make code changes to do those. So I didn't know that I was going to be done this week. For all I knew, it could have been another three to four weeks. Yeah, but I think we talked last time and I had said, you know, cold email does not it doesn't just start converting overnight, typically. Typically, you start it at a trickle, you test some things, you tweak, you tweak, you tweak. So it takes weeks to really start ramping it up. And I, you know, I had suggested, hey, you have this, you know, this month or whatever, or I guess it was six weeks during the audit that was projected to be six weeks. I would propose that you just start emailing five a day, you know, or 10 a week or 20, just a very small trickle to start seeing something such that the the volume of things, you know, it wouldn't have been like, oh my gosh, I have 50 calls. You know, it wouldn't have been so much, but just to start ironing those out, because I, I bet if you start this on Monday, it'll be a couple weeks until it really starts getting going. And now you're at a standing stop five weeks later. You know what I mean? You're five weeks after our last call, you're at a standing stop trying to get it going rather than having a little bit of momentum. So that's, that's what I was more getting at of like, why did you, why did you wait during the audit to, to get it going? Yeah. And I, I think that I agreed at the time and then realized that like, I just was not going to have time. Even if like that started to turn into something, I wasn't sure what the future would hold in terms of my timeline leading up to like the week after microconf or two weeks afterwards. And like I said, for all I knew, it could have been another three or four of hard, heavy lifting in terms of code or code changes. And I just, I just didn't know. And like that, that big blind spot is really kind of what helped me back for there. Yeah. Okay. Next time it should be good. It should be rolling on these things. Do you have any other right now, you know, cold email and, and this, you know, the podcast tour, do you have any other marketing stuff that you're going to be rolling out or are you going to be focusing on those two? And I'm just talking over the next month, you know, let's say we talk again in four or five weeks. I do have one other thing that has kind of finished up, uh, which we haven't really talked about, but I just finished up a uh, integration that I got approval for, I think on Monday of this week. So now if you go over to zapier.com and you search for bluetick.io, you'll find it underneath the early uh, access section. So bluetick.io now officially has a Zapier integration that is no longer just by invite only. 
Nice. Congrats, man. That's cool. Now, what's funny is I have a note because I was going to cover that. The note says, Mike is working on an integration that should be live at the end of this week. And I wrote that five weeks ago. So why did it take that extra month? Because I had to email them and then there was a little bit of back and forth. And then they basically have to run it through their own testing and stuff like that. So there was a bunch of things that needed to be changed, both on my side and inside the Zap itself in order to get it live. So it took a little bit longer to get finished than I thought it would or had hoped it would. And then I emailed them and said, hey, you know, can you guys take another look at this? And then when I got back from MicroConf, I emailed them again because I hadn't heard back. I don't know. Maybe the email got lost or buried under a under all the other stuff that they've got going on. But I ended up having to ask them again to take a look at it. And it only took them like two or three days after that to take a look at it and say, yep, this thing looks good. Go for it. Cool. So people can go and search that right now then. And are, do you get any promotion out of that? Are they going to list you anywhere? No. Uh, so they don't do any co-promotion until you get up to a certain number of users, which I think that I was told is like 50 users before that happens. So I have to look and see if there's any way for me to actually see how many active users I have, but I don't know what it currently stands at. So I don't know how far I have to go between now and doing any sort of co-promotion with them. Got it. And in order to get to 50 users, obviously, you need to get more customers yourself and then have something in a sequence somewhere that is asking people to hook it up, right? Exactly. <laughs> cool. But I will say having the audit and the Zapier integration behind me are both, I would call both of those huge wins for me. Yeah, that's good. Would you say over the past, since our last call, those are probably the two high points? I would say so, yeah. And then the low point was the audit, <laughs> just in the midst of it, it sounds like. Well, the, the midst of it and then the end result being everything's fine. It's like, <laughs> you know, if I wanted to pay somebody five plus figures to go not find something, I'm sure my kids would volunteer, you know, like <laughs> it's just, again, that's just, it's just irksome. I mean, you don't know until after you're, you've done it. I mean, cause you do have to poke at everything and I get that part of it, but it's still frustrating, especially like being early on. Wait, are you saying you were frustrated with Google in the audit? Because I don't think you've said that. <laughs> oh, Mike, every every time. I'm going to keep bringing My it up. My anger is yeah. direction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, next call, I'm going to bring it up again just to see, just to troll you. Cool. So a couple other things before we wrap. One thing I had asked you about was differentiation, right? Because I've mentioned BlueTick is, is very similar and undifferentiated from most of your competitors. And you had said, I need to talk to some of my customers more, ask them why did they decide to use BlueTick, kind of think about it as like a jobs to be done thing. You had talked to a few customers, you got a couple ideas. One was to have customers in multiple sequences at the same time, another was to be able to like re-add customers to the same sequence. So it's a two-part question. One is, have you gotten more confirmation that those two kind of feature ideas or differentiators are enough? Are you going to build those? And I guess the third part is like, have maybe we start with this, like have you had more conversations with customers since we last spoke and then to, you know talk about those other things i've had a few here and there yeah i still don't necessarily know if what i have in mind is like the deciding factor of like hey this is going to make blue tick you know leaps and bounds better than the other things that are out there i believe that it is but i don't necessarily know that for a fact i don't have any real basis for that it's kind of gut feeling more than anything else how can you turn it from a gut feeling into something that you know, I would say gut feeling is like, yeah, I'm like eh, 30%, 40%, 50%. You know, how can you get this to 70 or 80%? Whether it's with one of these things or whether it is 
something entirely different that you start hearing from from other customers? I think the first step is to one, obviously, like talk to some more of my customers, but two is to start running the idea past. I almost want to say like go back to basics when I was first kind of fleshing out the idea of Blue Tick with a bunch of different people and asking them questions about like, would you be interested in this or a product that solves this particular problem? I think it's a matter of going to some of my lists and finding out is this the type of problem that you would be interested in solving inside of your own business? And I feel like it's more of a reframing of what Blue Tick does versus selling what Blue Tick is, if that makes sense. It does. Now, is it reframing what it does just like, hey, it does this one extra feature or two extra features, or is it in a, a whole position? Like it's a it's a more broad branding slash positioning shift. A little both, I think. In, in order to do it, like I would have to write some more code. So like, obviously I don't want to go in that direction unless I hear more from people about, Hey, yeah, this is, this would actually be very compelling for us to use that. But the other thing is like, when you hear about an email follow-up tool, your inclination is like cold email. And so there, there has to be some sort of a, a brand positioning of like, Hey, this isn't just for cold email. And this is how it is positioned differently in order to make it work for people who aren't just doing cold email. Because like right now, Blue Tick serves a very, very specific piece of functionality for people in their business. And if they don't have that particular problem, then they won't use it. But that also makes it hard to identify the types of customers because two businesses who are largely identical, one of them may be doing that activity and the other one may not be. And it's hard for me to say, oh, go after SaaS companies that fit this profile and are in this particular business because unless they're doing that particular thing, it doesn't solve their problem. Got it. So between now and the next time we chat, is this high on your priority list to speak with additional customers to try to suss this out? It is. And I think it's probably, I wouldn't call it my number one priority, but I really need to find what that one differentiating feature or factor is that would make it easy for people to understand what I originally had in mind with Blue Tech as a vision, as opposed to what it currently is and does today and what people see it as. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think, well, I mean, it's kind of what I've been saying the whole time, right? Back to episode 448, when we first really dug into all this, my point was Blue Tick's not differentiated and you're not moving fast enough. You know, that was the thing, whatever that was five months ago. And now you're through the Google audit and you're through a lot of these speed bumps and it does feel like A, step one, figure out how to differentiate it and then B, differentiate it, you know, and move fast enough such that folks are trying to differentiate away from aren't keeping up with you, you know, or aren't going in the same direction or whatever. So that's what I'd be doing too in your shoes would be a lot of conversations. And so I think the cold emails will probably can play into that. Again, they're not cold emails, but you know, it's your LinkedIn connects and the blue tick cancellations and such. And then in addition, I'd probably talk to every customer you have right now and just try to figure out why they're using it how else you can make it to be sticky. And you have those two ideas of those features I mentioned earlier. And those seems like nice to haves and interesting tweaks, but I'm not convinced. I, my gut is that they aren't enough. You know, they aren't enough to be really, really differentiated and make people switch. It's like, what can you have that will make people switch from other tools or choose your tool when they're comparing yours to, to the, the three or four other tools that are top of mind for me? Yeah. And I mean, I have an idea of exactly what it is that I would want to talk to people about, because I mean, it's something that we can talk about it here if you want. The basic idea is having using Blue Tick as a mechanism for identifying things that you need from other people. 
and this is something that you can kind of do with blue tick right now, but let's say that I need, I don't know, a, a W9 from you or something like that. The question is, well, how do I get that from you? And how do I make sure that I follow up with you until I get it? Because that was one of the things that blue tick was born out of was when basically before Xander started helping out with this stuff, I was doing all of the data gathering for all the sponsors. So I would say, Hey, I need a logo. I need for the sponsors for microconf. I need a, a logo. I need title text. I need an image. You know, I need all these different things and asking them for it. And then going back and forth, like, Hey, I've got these two things, but not this other one or this third one over here or the fourth one over here and using blue tick instead as a mechanism for for gathering that stuff. Like that's that's basically a way to build a process into Blue Tick such that it solves a very tightly defined problem to gather digital materials from other people. And they may fit a specific format or they might be documents or Excel spreadsheets or something. And then Blue Tick can kind of manage that back and forth process to say, hey, I've got these three things, but not this other thing over here. Does that kind of make sense? There's like 30 different use cases for it, but just very simplistically, like that's kind of the idea. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a clear path or a clear job to be done, right? The job to be done, you're saying, is not cold email. It's not increasing sales. It really is to get something in a workflow from from other folks and to do that with email. My first thought when I hear that is right now, the tool I use for that is Gmail and Boomerang. And if I email someone for an image and a this and an invoice, I Boomerang it in a week if there's no reply or two weeks if there's no reply. And then I just respond to it again. I mean, I know that's different than Bluetick because probably Bluetick, you can put a whole sequence together, you know, and, and it'll, if they don't reply, it automatically does it. I don't have to type the next one. But I think that, that Boomerang does a really good job on a small scale. And if I only had five sponsors to deal with, that's what I would do. Bluetick is going to be limited only to those that need it at scale, right? And, and that's where cold outbound email or, you know, sales emails, you're sending a thousand a month or 2000 a month. There's no way you would do that via a boomerang. So everyone in that boat needs or should be using a tool like a blue tick or one of your competitors. Whereas the niche you're kind of talking about, I think not only is that a lot smaller and it's further away from the dollars, you know, the, the dollars that, that people are they're trying to generate for their business because it's more of a back office thing, but it has to be people doing that at scale. You know, if you're, again, if you're onboarding five clients a month, you're probably just going to do via email. If you're onboarding a hundred clients a month, well then, you know, a hundred sponsors a month or whatever, well that now it makes a lot more sense for, for, to use a tool like you're talking about. So a lot of what you're saying makes sense, but I had a conversation with somebody who does onboarding at a small scale and they already know let's say 30 or 50 different things that they need from the customer. And rather than saying, here's the list of all the stuff that I need, they only ask for two or three. And the reason they only ask for two or three is because if they ask for 50, it's going to be overwhelming to the customer. So instead, they only ask them for a couple of things, and then they modify that list over time. So the idea would be to say, like, you have this, I'll say, a kind of a workflow where people are you're asking for something from somebody and you need that you need blue tick to follow up or you need a follow-up mechanism in place to basically manage the process of gathering that stuff and you don't want to overwhelm them with everything all at once and that's just like one instance but also i'll tell you from experience of managing the sponsors once you get up to more than about five conversations in parallel like that where you have different things that you need from people it gets really hard to manage like it's not a thousand it's not even 25 it's like five or six and it's just a nightmare to manage even at five or six it's interesting. Yeah, I think um, in the interest of time, because we're kind of wrapping up, I want to make a note of this and circle back once you've had more conversations. I don't 
think it's a terrible idea. It's an interesting position. I think there's a whole, we could dive way into how I would think about this because if you're going to build a generic tool to do that and there's 30 different use cases, you have a problem. You know what I mean? Right away, it's like, if you can pick one, what's the biggest one of those use cases, the biggest pain point, you know, again, back to conversations we've had in the past is like, is it conference organizers, you know, trying to get sponsors and speakers to give them stuff? Is it whatever? We could pick any vertical and is that where you start, you know, or is it lawyers trying to get stuff or is it is it whatever? Is the CPAs trying to get tax information from their customers? Exactly. Right. All that stuff. I've had those yep. conversations too. And it's just like, it's a nightmare getting like, and I'd hate to go down to like the the road of, going after it's not real estate agents it's like real estate brokers where like you're trying to get a loan and you need all these different things to apply for it it's like yeah i don't want to deal in that particular business but that's another particular use case where it's like there's obvious a lot of back and forth and a lot of information that's needed right and that's the thing is all those verticals we just named or several of them are a pain in the ass to sell into they are inundated with cold outreach. They don't adopt new technology quickly. They're higher support. You know, I talked, I tweeted this out a few months ago where I said, it's, you're either dealing with competitor pain or customer pain these days if you're building a SaaS. Uh, and it's, it's a general comment, but you know, 10 years ago, you could go into a greenfield market with somewhat sophisticated customers and you could build a SaaS app and they would come and adopt it. And that was it. And it was like, cool. But things change over time. And today there's not much greenfield left. And, and a lot of the greenfield is like, well, there's not a really good this and that for lawyers or this and that for CPAs or this and that for dentists. And so there's not some specific thing for them. So it's like, cool. So I'm going to build for that because I don't want competitor pain, right? I don't want a bunch of comp competition that's, that's chomping at my heels all the time. On the flip side, you're now going to have customer pain. And what I mean by that is high maintenance customers, they could be long sales cycles, they could be high price sensitivity, they are high support because they're not technical, you know, that kind of stuff. And I'm not trying to make an unequivocal 100% of the time this is a thing, but these are the patterns that I'm seeing. When I look at the tiny seed batch or when I look at people who applied to become a tiny seed or when I you know, look at my experience, it's like you, you got to pick one of those. And trying to get away from both of those is very, very hard, I would say, dang near impossible these days unless you get you got to get pretty lucky and be early to a certain market for early adopters where the market is just emerging you know in some space i could name a few like bear metrics is one right early on he didn't have either of those now he has competitor pain because he has a bunch of competitors but he got in so early with the uh the stripe metrics and i think another one is is tuple ben orenstein's they filled a big gap that was left by a startup that had been acquired and shut down and right now they don't have competitor pain and they don't really have customer pain either because it's a lot of developers so in the long run, Tuple will have competitor pain because they people are watching that and there are going to be competitors that are developed there. They have a bit of a technical moat, but long term, they should just expect them to experience that eventually. But since they have a head start, that's good. So that was my long, long diatribe about that's where as you decide, you know, if you want to do one vertical or five verticals to start with or however you want to position this, I certainly think making it a generic horizontal tool where the headline says, get anything from anyone in an automated way, I think it's a really tough way to go because it's, yeah, I mean, you have to have a lot of examples. People are trying to fit it into like, well, what is this actually then? Is this like MailChimp? No. Is it like a cold email outreach tool? No, it's not that. So they're trying to fit it into a bucket, right? That's what people do when we go to these sites. And if it's something that's just completely new, it's always, you're just explaining the same thing over and over. So this is interesting. Yeah. I'm making a note here because I, I think this is, this is the key to unlocking something with a small group of people. You know, this is how you find early signs of product market fit with a small group and they love it and they rave about it and they say no other tool does it this way. 
and they have different feature requests for you than they would if you were a cold email tool. And then if you can make it work, and it's, it's a big if, that's the direction you head, and that's how you find, uh, find that you start growing. Yeah, and I mean, it's just interesting. Some of the conversations I've had kind of have led me in that particular direction. And it's there are a lot of things that remind me of back when I first started working on Blue Tick. It was some of the problems I'd ran into in trying to onboard sponsors for microconf or to sales for audit shark and it's just like a lot of them overlap in a very similar way and uh, some of those features they just never really got built so wrapping us up today i'm curious you know each time we tend to we've tended to talk about motivation sleep exercise and stuff and i don't want to run so far over that we dive into all that today but i'm curious over the last five weeks what has your motivation been like i would say it's fluctuated it's gone up and down i mean there's definitely days where like i I don't have a whole lot of motivation and I kind of feel like the world is kind of pressing down around me. And it's not that I don't have any options. It's just that it's hard to figure out what to do. And then there's days where like, I don't even think twice about it and I just sit down and start working and banging things out, but it kind of fluctuates from day to day. And it's, I don't, I can't say that there's a great pattern to it or not a great pattern, but like a, an identifiable cause for anything that's going on. It's not really sleep related. It's not really exercise related because I'm, you know, I'm sleeping fairly well and exercising pretty well. So I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I was going to wrap up the interview anyways, but uh, the recording software crashed right at that moment. And then Mike and I were basically just, just text chatting but I feel like we got a pretty good feeling of, of where Mike's at. And I'll probably dig more into motivation, sleep, and exercise um, in the next episode since it kind of got short shrift here. But I, for one, am feeling good for Mike about his Google audit, the fact that it's done, and I feel like he can get past it and move on. And I'm super interested to hear the, what progress he can make on, on trying to get on these podcasts, as well as the, really the cold email is the, the one that I'm kind of banking on, as well as the differentiation. And those are the things that I'm going to be continuing to press him on. These are the points of accountability that I think help us all to move forward, right? Is to have someone bring up what we said last time and say, where are you with that? And if you're not as far as you should be, why not? Okay, let's talk about that again in a few weeks. And it starts to get in your head that this is a real thing that you need to move on and make progress on. Otherwise, the business doesn't move forward. So I always enjoy talking to Mike. I feel like these are, you know, these are enjoyable conversations for me. And I, when I listen back to them, I feel like there's a lot of value for folks to, to follow his story, to hear what he's going through, as well as to take away how to keep pushing a business forward and, and have accountability. And it's kind of a, you know, in a way it's a, it's a one-way mastermind is a little bit how I think about it. It's kind of, he's reporting on things and I'm, I'm helping move it forward. So I appreciate that Mike takes the time to uh, keep us posted and, and we'll, we'll keep doing this as long as it's interesting. If you have a question for the show, because we do a lot of Q&A episodes, email us questions at startupsfortherestofus.com and you can even attach a voicemail to that email or link to a Dropbox or, or Google Drive, you know, MP3 or whatever. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 888-801-9690. Per usual, voicemails go to the top of the stack and we will have another QA episode coming up here pretty soon. Our theme music is an excerpt from We're Out of Control by Moot. It's used under Creative Commons. In any podcatcher, search for startups. We're typically in the top five. You can visit startupsfortherestofus.com to get a full transcript of each episode. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.